Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. I Very just dipped good. my cord in my uh, chocolate milk. Oh, this is recording. Yeah, God. I got you. I got you again. You Son just of said, a biscuit. You, you just said something potentially risque. You dipped your your you dipped your cord in your chocolate milk. Is that what you said? On accident. On accident. On what accident. Co- what cord? Your umbilical cord? I, <laughs> shit. Nah. No, my uh, iPhone cord. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense. Hey, everybody. It's the Inside OU Podcast. Back at it again. Brady Trantham here with Keegan Renault from USA Today, Soonerswire.com, doing his thing down in New Mexico. Uh, how many more weeks you got left down, down there, Keegan? I have seven more days, six more days. Are you counting down the days? Or are you looking forward to coming back to Oklahoma and getting back on the grind? Or are you just going to be a little sad that you're leaving the mountains? I'm ready to be home. I can tell you that it's one of those things to where I've been away long yeah. enough. And, um, but at the same time too, you know, waking up in the mornings and the sun rises over the mountains and the sun sets over the mountains and just being able to walk down and go fish, uh, go hike. If I wanted to, if I had more than one leg, that'd be real great. I'd go hike more, but I'm looking forward to being back, being, you know, being around you guys, uh, probably be able to do more podcasts in person, be able to do more things in person. And, and then at the same time, too, you do get distracted up here a little bit. It can from, happen. From, from, from work-related things. So, But it's been good uh, just to get away and clear my head and re-energize the batteries a little bit and get ready to go for the season. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to see uh, what, what, what we're able to do at Sooners Wire and, and obviously if we have a uh, fall season. Yeah, and uh, it's actually at this point, Keegan uh, – it seems like that we are going to have at least a start to the football season in the fall, uh, which, which is, I guess, good news. I mean, I'm never going to be one to turn down football. Like I've said a thousand times, I have my opinions on what will probably happen or what should happen. But at the end of the day, Keegan, if there's football in the fall, I'm going to be excited the, day, the night before and the day that we have to wake up to watch it. So it looks like we're at least going to have a start. But before we got into that, Keegan, there was some pretty shocking breaking OU news over the weekend, and that is, of course, uh, concerning the passing of former uh, OU head coach and former Sooner nose guard from the early 80s, John Blake. Keegan, I, I'm older than you, so I was at least old enough to may have to maybe have watched OU football during the 90s, but I didn't. I wasn't really into football until I was like nine years old, so basically 99. I just didn't have the intention span to sit down and watch a football game for three hours. But ever since getting into football, basically with the beginning of the Stoops era and then growing and growing and getting older. And of course, being the history nerd that I am, one of my favorite things to do is just to go back to read either old scoreboards, old stat books, records, um, even old gamers uh, from the 90s, the 80s and the 70s. And especially the 90s, Keegan, just because we all know the success wasn't there. And with that, there just wasn't really that much known information. Like you and I, we obviously weren't alive during the Switzer era, but we could probably name off some Switzer anecdotes just because they're so ingrained in Sooner lore that you don't, you don't really need to be from that era to kind of name some off. But the 90s are kind of a mystery. So anything that I've read or um, looked up is all new information to me. And 
before John Blake unfortunately passed away this past week, that's that was one of the more fun things to look up is just stuff from the 90s. As it concerns John Blake, yes, we all know he wasn't a very good head coach. He did not have the success that is required to be the head coach at OU. That's why he was here for only three years, and that's why he was fired. But even before he passed away, if someone asked me, like, name some good things about John Blake, if we're just talking about football, yes, he did recruit a lot of great players. And a lot of great players that won OU's last national championship in 2000, Keegan. Uh, but the other things that I could probably mention was, and I work with one of his former players, Kelly Gregg, at 107.7 The Franchise. One of the good things I could say about him is his players, when they talk about him, have nothing but good things to say about him. John Blake was a good person. He had a good heart, and he, he as a former Sooner football player, loved being the OU head coach. He loved being a Sooner. So it's unfortunate that the success did not coincide with the fact that he loved his players, looked out for his players, included his players in a lot of instances where coaches maybe have a little bit of degree of separation between the coach and the player. Um, whatever For whatever reason, you know, it, there's not a... There's not a book on how to be a head coach and you have to follow all these bullet points in order to be a, head, a good head coach. Some of it's out of his control. Some of it was out of his control. But um, really, I just wanted to basically put my words out there that you know it's unfortunate that this happened. John Blake, gone way too soon at 59, heart attack. Um, he's got family and friends that are, of course, hurting of, uh, about this loss. And again, I know the success wasn't there, but... Keegan, I just wanted to give you a, a chance to kind of say, like, I mean, this is this was sad. I was on the radio with Jerry Ramsey when the news dropped, and I just, I just, I really couldn't believe it. Like, I, I knew he was, he's not even really up there in age. Fifty nine is still young. There's a lot of there's a lot of years left to live after fifty nine, and I, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is that just from growing up. I mean, I was born in ninety six, so I believe I was born the year of his first year as being a head coach at Oklahoma. So that era in the 90s and, uh, you know, the jokes about Oklahoma didn't play football in the 90s. But this week, I think, you know, the biggest thing, and it's something that I hold very high, just a quality uh, as in a person, is just what people think about them, the respect that they get, and how do they get that? And it seems like after reading everything this week, hearing the former players, the tweets from Barry Switzer, just – the, the fact that it seems like he just had a personality that just resonated with everybody. It, it seemed like everybody was willing to rally around him despite the fact that they weren't successful. And those kind of qualities in a person, I hold to a high standard. Uh, I hold very highly whenever I think about someone. So just the fact of the matter that every, there is nothing, you know, negative was said, you know, anything in any regard – this week, and I know it shouldn't be, um, you know, after someone passes away, you don't really want to hang on to the negatives. You want to believe in the positives and, and all those things. But the fact that it seems like, yes, he wasn't – he may have been a good coach. What he did in Nebraska with that defensive line is still impressive. But being a better person is way more important. And John yeah. Blake was a really good person. Uh, he was a really – had a really good personality, and, and people seemed to want to be able to rally around him and – uh, people wanted to play for him, and I think those qualities are just so important in people. And the fact, you know, that the sex success wasn't there, you know, I don't want to, you know, make a joke here or anything, but you know, the last coach that really wasn't successful at Oklahoma still is seen not in a very good light. And yeah. 
maybe after, you know, a situation, hopefully, uh, you know, in Mike Soup's case that he's got a long life to live and all that. And after the fact that we hear, you know, the things that I've talked to you about, about what I've heard about Mike and how much the players loved him, how much the coaches loved him. Um, and, and how, you know, good of a person, father figure he was to so many people. Uh, and it seems like that's what's the same way John Blake was. And that's, I think that's just so important that, you know, that is what resonated with people. And um, I, I know, and I hope, you know, if any family members or any former players or anybody that was close to John Blake listens to this knows that, you know, we're thinking about them, we're thinking about their family. And, um, you know, the, you, you know, going down, um, go, you know, being remembered as such a good person as he was is just so, so important. And uh, he accomplished those things. Yeah, and, and look, I, I need, we need to get some stuff out there. Um, obviously, we've already mentioned we we understand that the the success on the field was not there, and we also, at least from my end, Keegan, I also understand that I've been very critical of a previous coach who was way more successful on the field than John Blake, and we'll get to that in a second. But and I've also I don't know if this was ever confirmed, but I know I've heard stories and read stories about when John Blake was fired, he was very upset about that. Obviously so like we said, he was he loved being a sooner. And if if I was for some reason hired as head coach at OU with as much as I love OU football and I sucked and I got fired, I would still be upset. But I've heard stories that he maybe burned some recruiting records or whatever. I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but um, when he was fired, but none of that matters right now. Like a human being lost his life and a human being that did play a part in the success of OU and that he put a lot of great pieces onto campus at a time where a lot of those great pieces probably should have gone somewhere else. And look, I mean, guys like Ante Jones, Ante Jones is one of my more favorite obscure football, um, OU football players. I mean, obscure in the fact that a college football fan's not going to know who he is, but OU fans that were around around the uh, 2000 season. Ante Jones just made plays. He was here because of John Blake, Roy Williams, of course. But a lot of these players, yeah, they weren't four or five-star highly recruited guys. John Blake had an eye for talent, and there's no denying that. And if John Blake isn't at OU to recruit those players, maybe Bob Stoops never wins a national championship, or maybe he wins one further on in his career because it just cannot be denied. Bob won with John Blake's players. Bob then, of course, won a lot more and was an incredibly consistent, highly uh, an elite coach for a long time. But the fact of the matter is he won with primarily John Blake's players. And um, I don't like moral victories or anything and all that stuff, but that's just the fact of the matter. I don't think OU wins in 2000 without Rocky Counts, without Roy Williams, without Ante Jones and all that. All that's pretty much known, and Keegan, I'm sure you've probably read up on some of the uh, the stories that uh, your contemporaries on the OUB have put out on John Blake. I, I've got to disagree with some of the things that uh, his ex his former players are saying about him, and that he doesn't get enough credit. I feel like that he's always gotten the credit. I feel like that that's always been a conversation against Bob Stoops is that he couldn't win without John Blake's players. So I feel like that John Blake has always got his just credit, but. Um, it's all, you know, it's just always one of those conversation topics that are thrown around during the off scene, especially when Bob Seuss was still the head coach, but it's just really weird that coaches, player, even players like Brandon Everidge passed away, um, a few years ago, players that we grew up watching, Keegan coaches that we grew up watching, they're starting to die. And that's, I mean, that's sad. I mean, it's, it's kind of a reminder to you and me that we're getting older and, the people that we kind of just thought were immortal are 
it's just a reminder that life sucks and 2020 has sucked. So our hearts go out to John Blake, his family and his friends and his former players. It sucks. Right. And at any time, uh, you know, somebody that has an impact on the community that you work in, that has an impact on the program you work in, um, you feel it. And you, I felt it this week. I know I didn't, uh, didn't have, you know, the opportunity to be able to write a story nor the time to, but I did read, um, you know, like you said, just in everything with, uh, you know, the person that he was and the way he was able to recruit, uh, you know, so it, it's a devastating deal, and and like I said before, you know, any if there is anybody that listens to this podcast, I was close to him in any regard. Um, that you know, we're thinking about you guys and um, just the person that he was and the impact he had on you. Yeah, and real quick, somebody on Twitter, like, I think the day that John Blake passed away, like, added you. It was bef- it was bef- it was before. It was the day the, before. The heat- no, no, no. It was it was like a couple hours before the news broke. Oh, wow. That's unfortunate. But yeah, someone like added us and said, like, if you're going to be critical of Bob Stoops, like those fans wouldn't have survived during the Blake years. I'm not going to entertain that conversation right now. I think it's I think it's in bad taste considering, you know, we did lose somebody. But now, Keegan, we shift to what we kind of talked about at the very beginning yeah, we're going to have football in the fall. How far into the season are we going to get? That is a good question. I'm still – I don't want to cut – I know I, we, we've done a – I've done a good job not cutting you off too much. but No, please do. The joke is Stick Leone and his statement that he released uh, with the, the season opener being moved up. And yep. I'm going to go pull it up real quick because I want to read it to you because I thought it was fascinating that the fact that – you have a guy, you have Joe Castiglione, who obviously is probably the most prominent figurehead right now in college football, maybe behind Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner. Um, this was his exact – I just want to read this. If the season is indeed permitted to start as scheduled is how he started out his, his release. Yeah. And I know I went on with, uh, you know, uh, Jerry and Kelly on Friday, as well as Sam and Randy on Friday – and they're talking about, you know, just hearing him talk and the optimism um, that you get from, you know, hearing Joe Leon talk about a fall season. And then he flips – and then the, you flip around and you hear a quote. Uh, this, he starts a release out like that. That – okay, let's temper it just a little bit because you know what I've heard and I've talked about what I've heard. Um, I haven't – it's about been three to four weeks since I've asked or had any conversations about the fall season but there wasn't any confidence from the inside Oklahoma, from the athletic department, nor on the coaching staff that there was going to be a fall football season. And I don't know if this has been a, I don't want to say face is probably a little strong to say from Joe Castiglione, but um, you know, the blind optimism, and I know we talked about that last week. It's, it's been tough to talk about football because like you just, you don't know if there's going to be football in the fall. And, and so but like you said, uh, you know, it seems like we are heading in that direction. But last night and that's release, that gave me some pause. More than, it, more than anything in the last two weeks has for sure. Yeah, well, look, it, we're recording this episode on July 26. We've got five days left of July. Then we're going to get into the actual month where if indeed the season is permitted to start, we'll be in the month of the first OU football game. And we're still kind of up in the air if it's actually going to take off. I'm under the impression that it's going to at least start just because obviously OU has met 
and started their walkthroughs to kind of make up for the lost time with the team. I'm assuming other schools across the country that haven't been, that haven't been forced to suspend uh, voluntary or involuntary workouts, I'm sure that they've joined together and started practicing themselves. Um, like, I just, we're, we're to a point where like a decision should have been already made. Like either yes or no, fall football. And I feel like we're just going to get maybe two or three weeks out and it's just going to be like some half-ass Friday dump of, yeah, football's on. And it's like, well, by this point, we've all assumed. So you announcing that it's going to start is kind of silly. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're way past the point that a big announcement, a big revelation kind of shared with us. I, I, think it, I think this is also a time to mention that the NCAA Board of Governors met on Friday and they decided not to make a decision on fall sports championships. And I know that has no relation to college football because the playoff system is not actually with the NCAA. And, but when it, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to make a decision on fall sports on, they said on August 3rd. So what does that mean? Uh, What does that mean? I, I think that means that we're going to see, them make this decision and that's going to have a very big effect tidal wave effect and well just from the commissioner side from the ncaa side and maybe that's the push that we need in college football maybe that's the 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 catalyst that we need to get finally get a final decision on a college football season so whenever that august 3rd date comes around um, i think we'll finally get some final decisions there um, in, in regards to this season but We'll see, uh, we'll see what the, if these, you know, leagues and conferences can come together. Because as I've said, and I know I said it, I don't think it may be on last week's podcast, but two weeks ago, about the fact that the 10 uh, conferences in the FBS all came together and agreed upon a deal, which is the college football playoff. So they can technically still all come together and make a decision. Uh, but like we were talking about, the time is, time is ticking. I know yeah. Joe Castiglione said on Friday that – there's still time left on the shot clock, which I, what a quote from Joe Castiglione. But uh, oh yeah, but, basketball. I mean, we're a month, Brady, a month yeah. until I, the season starts. When I read that statement, because I kind of had the same initial reaction that you did, but I kind of told myself that's just kind of legal saving face jargon. Like if it's permitted to start, I think it's going to start. The big question is, is like how far into the season are we going to be able to get? and how uniform is the entire structure going to be. And unfortunately, we're going to have to figure that out as we go along. Now, fortunately for OU, who's probably done the best with this entire thing of anybody in the country, not just from the fact that they have had three straight weeks of no negative tests or no positive tests, excuse me, uh, from COVID, for COVID-19. They've done that, but now they are, they've been able to push their first game against Missouri State up a week. So now they have a week off in between their first three games, which obviously helps players rest. It helps players quarantine and not miss time if they potentially test positive because the big monkey wrench in all this, Keegan, is as great as OU has done thus far, and we've talked about this before, once students get on campus, it's, a, it's probably into a realm where you cannot you – cannot, protect your players you cannot bubble your players unless something silly like all football players are permitted to do classes online and they just literally stay home stay in the facility and then play football and then keep 
following the rules as they followed them thus far because bars are open. So perhaps these players aren't going out having a social life that we know of because there have been no positive tests. So what students get on campus, it's going to be something where you can't control it unless silly precautions are taken. But I just assumed we're going to have a start to the season. It's just going to be a question of how far can we get into it before it's either halted like the NBA season was because um, I don't think they're going to outright cancel it. I think it, it's, it's time to mention here that the state of Oklahoma today had the highest single-day case, new cases of COVID-19. And uh, not, a, not heading in a good direction for the state of Oklahoma. But like you said, I, I, Oklahoma remains kind of the – I know I've said this a lot, but the leader in this deal, right? They, they, they've been operating in a bubble – now, once the testing data comes out on Thursday, we'll know more, but they've been operating in a bubble now for 13 days, almost two full weeks. Yeah. Like, that is very impressive, especially when you consider Michigan State and Rutgers are shutting down workouts right now. They have no – I mean, Oklahoma – is in such a good position. I'm not worried about Oklahoma in playing football this year. I'm worried about everybody else. And maybe it's everybody else in non-Oklahoma. I don't know what Texas's testing numbers are, uh, but uh, it's – it's Would Tom Herman blind release op- it? Blind op- <laughs> it's blind <laughs> optimism, man. And it's, it's, it's tough to honestly sit here and continue to – continue to talk about a football season, get prepared for it. But whenever, you know, whenever it comes down to it, I, like I said, I think we'll have a decision on by August 3rd at the latest. Uh, and the catalyst I think will be the, uh, will be the head. Golly, what's the head of the NCA? What's his name? Emmert. Uh, once Mark Emmert makes his final decision on a fall sports champion on the championships. And I know that has, like I said, no, has no, doesn't pertain anything to college football's postseason. But yeah. if they make a decision and they cancel all the fall championships, I mean, that's not – I don't think that's – I don't think that's a very good sign. Yeah. Well, if that happens, that would be – that would be a first because somebody with the influence and the suit and the power to make a sweeping decision would have made one. Because at this point, like, universities have been acting on their own. Conferences have been acting completely on their own. Like, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten just thought, well, the Big Ten just thought, hey, everyone's going to do this if we just take the first step. And all the conference were, conferences were basically like, uh, no, except for the Pac-12. So that would be a first. That's what's been the most frustrating thing, Keegan. And this is more of a local thing, of course, as it pertains to the state of Oklahoma. But the OSSAA, uh, what was it, on Thursday, basically said, yeah, we're going to have high school football and high, um, fall sports, but we're going to basically shovel responsibility to the local superintendent in terms of will there be will fans be allowed media be allowed all those things are going to be locally governed and while that somewhat makes sense superintendents aren't qualified to be healthcare experts public healthcare experts college conference like college conference commissioners aren't qualified for this so no one is making a decision it's just a whole bunch of the clock is ticking. We'll just get closer to the season and then it will have to start because no decision has been made or it's just people shoveling responsibility down the line. And that's what's been frustrating because no one is making a decision. And, we're, and like you said, the clock is ticking. So I assume football will be here. And so because of that, 
Spencer Rattler is going to throw for like four touchdowns against Missouri State. And then the big question is, are they going to be able to go to New York to play fucking Army? I don't get why they would even make that trip. I, I, I mean, don't that was a game. That was a game meant for the fans, right? I mean, you don't go play at Army unless it's Oklahoma and Army and you go play because of the historical nature of it. Yeah. I just, that, that doesn't make much sense to me. And I, if, I was, you know, if I was in Joe C's shoes, I would try to push that game back to a year that you have an opening and play and you would imagine game. army would be like, yes, we would love 40,000 fans in our, in our stadium for that non-conference game, all that money. We would love all that gate money. I wish I had the number for you, but I can tell you the demand from the donor side for tickets to that army game, Brady were astronomical. Yeah. And there's a gigantic New York OU alum base already there. Yeah. I did not know that. No, there's a, there is a huge, like, I think Dallas, Houston, and New York City are like the three biggest alum bases for like, or maybe Denver. I'm not sure. I remember seeing a map, and New York City was like one of the top four or five alum bases for OU. So there's a gigantic contingent already there. That if actually, you know, if the game goes on, and because New York's kind of handled this better because they were forced to, at least in the last few months, like I have my opinions on how they handled it initially but we won't get into that. But if they're allowed to have fans in the stadium, OU fans in New York that live there will be able to go there, and there will be quite a bit of red in the, in the stands. So don't worry about that. Are you that. talking about this year? Yes, if, if they're able to do that. No, they, it's, already, it's already been determined. No fans? They, yeah, Cuomo made the uh, order about a week and a half ago. Does West Point have their own little weird jurisdiction like the Vatican or no? Is it still like under New York state law? Yes, it is. Under, again, it's, like, not, it's not the Vatican. Okay, again, we're all learning new shit. So, I mean, <laughs> but okay. Like that's all boring talk. Let's get to the, the fun stuff, Keegan. And that is the sooner summit. So let's just get this out of the way, please for everybody, because I still see this shit on my timeline. Please tell everybody that no recruits joined physically together on OU's campus over the past few days no not yet uh clearly uh, it's something that's still being put together i and it's not even close to a done deal so we'll we'll see what comes of it uh, i think it's I, I think the one thing you can take away is the effort that caleb williams is putting in to bring this class together though yeah that's uh it's something like we haven't ever seen and i know the there's a running joke about the caleb williams effect right now because there hasn't been immediate <laughs> Uh, gratification from we're all the recruits but you know, at, the, at the end of the day we'll see what comes of that i if it's just one big zoom conference call nail we're on at the same time i think it would still have the same effect um if everybody was if not everybody came in on their own unofficial visit and with ou's compliance departments brady trantham i don't think it would uh i don't think there would be any rules broken unlike maybe some places down south Oh, yeah. I mean, we already talked about Texas A&M. So, I mean, that, I wanted to get the obvious out of the way. No one was actually on campus because if I were OU, I wouldn't want people that had nothing to do with the program right now. Like, are you a Sooner right now? No, then get the fuck off my campus. Like, we have a very successful bubble going right now. We'd like to keep that as long as possible. Yes, we know fifteen to 20,000 students will just be crowding onto campus fairly soon. That don't have to follow my rules, but please stay away from my school so far. Do everything on the computer, please. No, I mean, anything juicy, like in terms of maybe some players that may or may not have been involved with this other than Caleb Williams. I mean, there, 
there are names out there that have been connected to Caleb that we assumed or thought would, would have been a part of the July 4th fireworks that obviously didn't. They're still available. Those names are like, it's, it's well documented who those people are, but um, I mean, anything new on the recruiting front that you're hearing Keegan? No, nothing uh, right now. Obviously Lincoln and them sent the uh, Lincoln sent a pawn piece emoji yeah we were gonna get in we were gonna get into emojis but i I guess right now yeah Uh, i I guess i can wait i can regress and wait just a second but what i think whenever it comes down to it i mean it's the same conversation we've had honestly every week uh you know kendall daniels sort of certainly not in the picture uh we'll see um if oklahoma can rally the troops back there and if they can um make the proper push and get back into that conversation but it's the same. I mean, it's the same conversation, Brett. Though Brady, it's it's the Emeka Bukas, it's the Kamar Wheatons, it's the Bryce Fosters, it's the Tristan Lees, it's the Savion Birds, it's you know, and the Kelvin Gilliams and the Marcus Burses. It's the same top guys on the top of the board that are still out there and still available for Oklahoma to go get, and they've got to continue to do a good job, uh, you know, maintaining those relationships. And whenever there's a chance they can get them on campus, they got to be the first ones to get them on campus. And I think Oklahoma's done a good job with that in, in the past in terms of, okay, dead period's over. We need to get our top guys here, whether it's a junior day, whether it's an official visit with spring, spring game weekend, uh, anything in that regard, Oklahoma's done a good job there, but it's the, you know, same song and dance it's been for the last four weeks. It's just, uh, you know, trying to push to put some pressure on people to make things pop. And, uh, but Oklahoma's in a good spot still. Uh, I still like where they're, where they're at with, a lot of the top guys and we'll, we'll see what comes of the next four to five weeks. But the problem with recruiting some of these top guys though, Brady is the fact that these guys know they need to see these campuses before they make a decision. They are very there. It's not just that they are smart. Typically these top guys, not just have their parents, but they have a uh, group kind of like what Kyler Murray had and what we've seen. Some recruits in the past have had trainers that receive payments. Yes. And that's why they went Uh, to LSU and not OU, but I mean, continue. Yes. But you know, so I think whenever you put that all in perspective, these people aren't going to just jump and make a decision without seeing a campus. Um, So there will be guys. um, Maybe the O emojis last night is a guy that may not see campus and, um, could be a defensive player, but we'll uh, we'll leave that up to interpretation from there. But you know the recruiting front, no, I, it's it's same song and dance. It's been the same old, same old. Oklahoma's just got to continue to go, do a good job of building these relationships and and bringing these guys in and and then making sure they sign. I, I think that's going to be the biggest battle this year, more than any year ever, is that getting a commitment and then making getting these guys to sign. But it's going to be working both ways. It's going to be guys that Oklahoma is going to have committed that are going to take visits. Then you're going to be prying like hell to make sure they don't leave. And then there's going to be guys that are committed elsewhere that aren't necessarily as solid as what maybe that their committed school thinks. And Oklahoma is probably going to be able to have a chance to flip them. So it's, it's going to be a wild next, you know, six to nine months. And we'll see if the nice. NCAA pushes back the uh, – <laughs> see if NCAA pushes back the winter signing day um, to February and then the February signing day back to a later date. But uh, I think Oklahoma is still doing just fine. And um, patience, uh, I know uh, not a lot of people like to hear that word when it comes to recruiting or football in general, but 
uh, I think everything will work out as, as, as they plan to right now. Well, I want to get back to something you mentioned a little bit earlier about how these recruits know that they need to be on campus first before they make their ultimate decision. That's fine. But here's my question. If we have football and by some fucking miracle, it's able to go from game one to the conference championship week um, in the fall, if it's able to do that, will there be official visits allowed or will OU want official visits if they continue to have the same, if they're able to have the same success? There's a lot of hypotheticals here and I don't even know if they're realistic. But just imagine, because a recruit will bring anywhere from five to 10 to 15 people with them and they don't need to be tested. They're not going to be tested. Not on an official yeah, visit. Official visit will be like mom, dad, brother. Mom, sister, dad, brother. Maybe. Well, even then, that's... that's those, are four th- those, are, people, those, yeah. those are three to five people that, don't, that won't be tested, that'll just be walking around openly. Like, it doesn't seem realistic to me. But again, if all those previous re- unrealistic things happen, then who's to say that official visits can't happen either? Hey. I think we're going to, it's going to be a, that's the biggest problem. The biggest thing the NCAA is going to have a problem with is in terms of recruiting, they've at least leveled the playing field in terms of calendars in terms of how many official visits schools can bring in. Um, I don't think that's what something that a lot of people know is that you can't just bring in 200 official visitors in a year. There's a certain number um, that each school has to adhere by uh, before it's an NCAA violation. But the problem they're going to have is, is how can, you know, New York is doing good, Michigan's doing good, uh, Ohio's starting to trend the wrong way, Florida will probably be fine by the time the season rolls around, uh, California will probably be fine by the season comes around, Texas will probably get things figured out. But what about the other states that aren't? How can you make, you know, make it official visits be okay for the state of Michigan and Florida and Texas and California, maybe Oklahoma, but it, you can't visit in Washington or you can't visit in Oregon uh, because of the, how the COVID-19 is spreading there. So that, I think that's going to be a very tough task for the NCAA to tackle. And we'll see kind of what they choose to do in that regard. But I think, you know, official visits are going to be tough. No matter what happens this year, uh, unofficials and officials are going to be very tough to make happen just because there's so many kids coming from so many different parts of the country coming to a place that may be an area that's spiking, that may be an area that's doing really good, and you don't want to bring in a bunch of new people um, into these states. So they're going to have a tough – the NCAA is going to have a very tough decision to make. Uh, I believe the dead period ends at the end of August. Don't quote me on that. Maybe end of July. If maybe they push it back to August. I'm not sure. I'm not 100%. I've I've lost track of what they've done. So. I, I don't. I don't know be, what to believe. Uh, they'll be. They'll. Business will happen. It'll probably be in the spring, which will yep. mean that they'll have to push back the Feb, the January or the December signing period, back to February, and then February back to April, which is going to make it just an unbelievably crazy uh, next you know, 12 months for these college football coaches. So um, it could just all be a lot easier if they move the season back to spring. But I think that may be a conversation for another day. And real quick before we wrap it up, Keegan, oh, you did get a commitment from a 2022 receiver out of Garland. Um, I understand why fans are just like, it's 2022. That's a lo- especially in today's world. That seems like 25 years from now. 
are we going to be able to make it to 2022 is a gigantic question for some people, unfortunately. But, um, and I also understand the, the whole thing about it's another receiver who like, should we care that much? But Keegan, we know the importance of a strong receiving core, but just any, any takes, any thoughts on OU's new commitment they just got over the past week? It's like the same thing I told you on the radio last week. It's better to have a guy like that in the boat than out of the boat. Because when you look at what happened in the 2020 recruiting class, a wide receiver, Oklahoma had Trevin West, they had Brian Darby, and they had – I've got my scholarship chart pulled up in front of me. Come on, Keeg. They had Brian Darby and Trevin West, and that was it. And that was it at wide receiver. And they're having a very hard time bringing in any top talent. Uh, I know Jalen McMillan from California was a big-time guy. I think he went to Washington. Um, And then they had a guy – they lost a guy to USC from the state of California as well. But, you know, usually when you bring in three five-star wide receivers or three top 100 wide receivers, it's very tough the next recruiting class to land any top, top elite talent, especially at Oklahoma, knowing that these guys are coming in and starting right away, like a Mario Williams, like a uh, – and a potentially a Mecca Buka. So they have a very uh, – you know, it, it, they, these kids have a very tough decision to make. But Oklahoma – and I know it's long story short here, but Oklahoma now is able to bring in – of Mario Williams and a Cody Jackson, and they may bring in an Emeka Ibuka. Now they've got a top 100, top 150 recruit in the country, a top five, top 10 wide receiver already in the, already on the board for 2022. And not just that, it's a kid from the DFW area. I think that's also extremely important too, because big name guys follow big name guys from certain regions. We've seen it with DC this year. Um, we've seen it out of the Texas area in the past and Oklahoma, um, you know, is after the number one recruit in the 2022 class or number, yeah, in 2022 class with Quinn Ewers, who is the quarterback from South Lake Carroll. So, I mean, any, any weapons you can put around that guy is going to help um, in terms of being able to try to get him in, get him on board. So I, I think Jordan Hudson, though, just overall, I just want to get kind of the player that he is. He, he is kind of a bigger bodied frame guy. I know he's only six foot, six foot one, uh, maybe five, even five eleven. Uh, probably at the shortest, but he's he's thick and I, he goes up. He can high point the football really well. It makes very competitive catches. A um, little questionable about you know his top end speed, uh, but I think that's something that can come. You know he, he just got done with his sophomore year of high school, so um, I think that's something that can come uh, as time goes. I think this is a guy that really not I don't think thins upward is the right word for it, but really you know stops bulking up necessarily and cut and is more cut as an athlete. Um, and I think that's going to benefit him greatly and it's going to benefit, I think Oklahoma greatly just, and like I said, it's a, it's, it's a lot better to have a top 100, top 150 guy in the boat um, than it is not to have one, um, especially. I was just going to say, when are they going to get them defensive tackles, Keegan, when are they going to get the linebackers? I don't know the linebackers. Then, you know, I am, I, that, that is so puzzling to me. Especially yeah. in this scheme, you feel if, we, we after don't have watching enough. Kenneth Murray plays for one year, even just one year in, in, under Alex Grinch. I don't understand why they can't go get an elite guy at linebacker. I don't care I, where he's at. I don't. I think it's just because of what I've talked about. There's just not enough of a track record. Is it flash in the pan success that OU's defense had? There's too much to the contrary. Not with this staff, you know. Not with Alex Grinch and, and his defensive assistants. 
but there's just too much stain on OU and, and defense in the same sentence. I think that's what it is. Like, we need to see another year out of this defense, and unfortunately their, their second year comes in a season where we could potentially have two or three games and then it gets halted. So who knows how that affects it? And that was actually the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, Keegan, was just, I mean, what do you think is the best way to do this? If we do, st- we're going to start. I mean, is a suspended season with it being s- returned in the spring the best possible way to do this? Because that opens up, opens up a can of worms of, like we've talked about, some players may not want to play because of the NFL draft if that's not at all altered. Um, and it would be, it would be kind of weird to have Creed Humphrey for two or three games in the fall, the season gets suspended and pushed to the spring, and then he's not there for the remainder of the season that the that it still applies that he played a part in, but now he's not, but now he's not playing. So you just kind of treat it like an injured player, but is it that, or is it something as simple as the last time that something like this happened, Keegan was the Spanish flu. And I remember seeing this when the pandemic actually started, it was, I think Benny Owens year and OU started off five and O or six and O and the season got suspended right before OU Texas because of the Spanish flu. It never I don't think they ever finished it. They didn't push it to the spring. It just ended. So, I mean, what, what do you think should happen? Push it to the spring or just outright cancel it and call it so you can somewhat be back on uh, the calendar track for 2021? I just wish they would just make some decision right now, like next two weeks. As we're, get it out as of the we're way. recording. <laughs> yeah, let's get it out of the way. Let's figure out what we're going to do. Let's come up with a plan if things don't go the wrong way. Um, I know you're asking me what I think should happen. I, I'm all aboard the spring season. I, I, it, we're playing nine plus one games anyways. What's, what's the difference? We've got cases spiking in Oklahoma like crazy. We've got Texas who kind of has it under control. Florida's going up. Ohio, the state of Ohio is going up. Ohio State football is going to be affected. Um, the South still not, doesn't have this thing under control. Um, and I know, and I know, and I know, and I've even even thought it brought up the idea of just, hey, everybody get it. It's not that big of a deal. But at this point, we don't know the long-term effects of this thing, whether yeah. you're asymptomatic or symptomatic. So why we can't risk it, especially to kids that technically, if they do have light, long-term life-altering problems from this deal, these schools are going to get sued. Soon. Into the into the ground, college the college football could potentially die. And I know that that may be you know soft minded you know left thinking, but that's just reality. And I and and I and there's one the one person that agrees with obviously with all this is the head coach of the University of Oklahoma. He has con- he has spoken on record and and off and and to the other Big Twelve coaches about playing a spring season. Like, yeah, it's and not I know just people a, can't see my hands. It's not just sports talk radio, like looking for topics to debate for a segment. It's not just us on a podcast. Like important people are having these conversations, which is why, like, I think that the season will start in the fall, but because I don't think they're going to finish it, that just furthers the point of why not do this in the spring? Just have a clean start to your season and a clean finish. And the best way for that projection-wise is to push it in the spring. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and hamper and continue to harp on a, on a spring season. Uh, to your question, I, I think if they halt it, 
they're not going to push it to the spring. They'll just bang it. Really? Um, I, I think that's I think that's what they'll do. I mean, when, think about it. You're playing two to three games, and then what, what are you going to do? Play the next six in the spring? And yeah, then like like some school, obviously the SEC and the Big Twelve, and pr- probably the ACC would play like some non-conference games in this scenario. Whereas the Big Ten, the Pac-12, are they just going to, going to push their conference schedule to where the season would? You know where they would be playing their non-conference schedule. Do you know what I'm? You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they just going to push their schedule up? So basically, you're going to have three conferences playing non-conference games, and then you push it to the spring, and then they'll get into their conference schedule. And then the other two conferences that have already played two or three conference games are just going to continue their conference schedule as it was scheduled. I know that's kind of difficult to visualize, but that just should further home, further take home the point that this is stupid. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of moving parts to it, especially if a season gets halted. I mean, obviously fans in the stands. Um, today's a today's case report from Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma for anybody that had, that is holding out hope on being able to watch a football game in person this year at the college level in Oklahoma, probably not going to happen. And that's, that's not me basing that off anything that I've heard or that I know. That is just basing it off the facts of this deal that it seemed like for a couple days at the end of the week last week that we may be heading in the right direction and then bang. And, uh, you know, it's disappointing. You can't count uh, on this. You cannot count on the state to do anything right. That's actually important. Like I'm, not, and, I, and I agree with you. I'm not going to you know sit here and we pride make, ourselves on being a football state. We haven't won a national title in 20 years. So even the thing that we do right and do well, we can't do that thing to the, to the standard that we have set for it. But Oklahoma State's won a championship recently. Oh, they, they claimed one. The year that the Army beat the Nazis. The, be, the best, maybe the greatest college football team of all time. Ask them, what are the top five, top ten teams of all time? 45 Army is on there. Yep. <laughs> and she's like, thank you, we'll take that. No one's watching. Let's put it, let's put it, let's position it in, in strategically in such a way uh, in our end zone that it looks like that we have room for more. <laughs> when are you ever going to win a national title? Never, ever, 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 never, ever. No, and it's disappointing. Uh, you know, obviously football, and, and kind of like you said, you know, we claim as a football state, fo- even a football baseball state. I, I think state of Oklahoma is well known. Um, for its baseball. I mean, heck, you had a guy like Jonathan Gray starting for the Rockies yesterday um, on the second day of baseball starting. So, and he's from, you know, from Chandler, Oklahoma, went to Eastern and then went to Oklahoma, went, went to the OU. So, you know, all those things combined, like you would think that we would do everything in our power as a state to get football. And, you know, you, you continue to hear things, you know, going into grocery stores, going into gas stations, and, you know, not, I, I'm not saying you have to sit out here and wear a mask all the time, but it's not that it, you, it, it's not that hard. It's no, no, you're, you're a sheep Keegan, because like, what's going to stop, what's going to stop them from telling you to do this. Now you're wearing a fucking seatbelt when you get in the car, that is a federal mandated law that you wear a seatbelt when you drive. Why? Cause it's going to help you for your safety. Why are we asking people to wear masks? Why are politicians mandating that you wear a mask? Why did for Donald your Trump, safety? Donald Trump said to wear a mask. It's all about the de- it's all because of the deep state, Keegan. Like 
It's all a deep state. Please understand that when I say I'm the state I'm a registered of, Republican. I want. I just want to get that out there. I was a registered Republican until 2016. And I went Libertarian because, like, uh, I'm sorry, I just I can't be party to that. But I don't care if you're a Republican right now or a Democrat. I don't care. Um, and so the ultimate please, goal is for us to get football, right? Let's do everything in our power to get football. And this is me about to go on a soapbox and another rant um, about this. But this isn't, you know, I know there's this idea about the media. And I know the, you know, the media is a problem. And the media the is liberal this, media. media. Call, call yeah, us what but, we are. We're the liberal media, quite clearly. But that it's clear that a lot of people like the media that cover Oklahoma football. Whether that's, you know, whether you listen to the Sooner Scoop guys, whether you're with The Athletic with Jason Kersey, whether the Oklahoman guys with Ryan Aber and Barry and Jenny and those people, um, you know, Norman Transcript now with Joe Bettner and Tyler Palmentier before. Like, you enjoy all these people and you enjoy their coverage they bring to you. You enjoy the conversations you have with people like you and me. Like, if, say for the example that we talked about earlier, <laughs> if a season gets halted and we get banged for the whole year, no football. I'm going to be without a job. You're going to be without a job because the radio station you work for is the flagship uni- the station for the University of Oklahoma, probably. Everybody that covers college football is going to be in deep trouble. And it's just it's, – it's, it's for everybody. It's a better thing for everybody. So, you know, just do your part. That's, that, if that's me sitting here doing – that's sitting here begging and asking at this point because today's numbers from Oklahoma are not good. Because usually everything else trails two weeks after this, whether it's a death, whether you're on a ventilator, um, all those things. So uh, the numbers you know, that, are fake, Keegan. The numbers are fake. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. I'm a God-fearing so, Christian. <laughs> uh, that has nothing to, to that has that. nothing to do with anything. You may but, have to but, cut. You may have to cut that out. <laughs> I, I'm simply quoting my mentions. <laughs> Don't so, tell me um, what. To, don't tell me what to do, you millennial little lib. No, I think it, I, I do want to kind of get into a little bit of football conversation because there is one organization of football that will be playing this year that we learned about on Friday. Yes, the NFL. Yes, the lovely NFL. Who for like a day? Football. For who like for a day didn't have their shit together, but all of a sudden the players like, oh, this is wonderful now. So. We're going to have it, but they don't have the same problems that the college is going to have. Like you can, even though the NFL is not going to be like the NBA, which the NBA has done this fairly well thus far. Everybody's about two uh, scrimmage games into their schedule thus far and no positives. Lou Williams, despite his best efforts, you're going to be in prison for 10 days since you want to go to the strict club. How funny is that? You fool. He is grounded. He's not a, yeah, grounded. He's like, no, go to timeout. I said it on Twitter. He's going to miss their first two seating, seating games, the Clippers. I feel like the second he checks into their third game, he should get a technical. Like, you just enter the game with a T, and then the opposing team gets to shoot a free throw because you are a fool, idiot. I thought it, I thought it was pretty funny, though, that the guy that he was at the gentleman's club with deleted the uh, – deleted that Instagram post or story or whatever and then was like, oh, yeah, I was just hanging out with Jamal Crawford. This yeah. was months yeah. ago. Who was that guy, by the way? I don't, I don't, know. I, well, I don't know. Our our mutual friend Derek Parker pointed out, like, apparently this guy was like, oh, this, this was months ago. And Derek brought up, because I don't know who this guy is, Derek brought up, you weren't famous months ago. You were literally famous in the last month. <laughs> 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 this was not I did months not know ago. that. This, you 
you fool. You know, just no. But anyway, even though the NFL is not going to have the luxury of being able to have all their players and coaches and everybody important in one city, in one area, like the NBA has, they're not going to be surrounded by students. They're not going to be surrounded by other people that could potentially compromise an NFL season. So even though I think that even the NFL has a, a uphill battle at this point, I feel like it can realistically start and realistically finish um, in the fall. So obviously that'd be good for football fans. So it'd give us something to talk about, but um, yeah, this, this podcast, this episode, by the way, was going to be a little bit shorter than the others just because I mean, there I'm was gonna, just nothing. Well, there was nothing and I'm going to be filling in all morning or all week um, for 107.7 from 6 to 9. So Brady's got to go to sleep early. Nice. Any any final thoughts, Keegan, OU or NFL related? Uh, you know, I just kind of just NFL. And I think, you know, something that I brought up a second ago, I think it's fascinating. You look at the, you know, just even over the last three years, just think about all the talent that Oklahoma has put into the NFL on offense. You got a guy like Joe Mixon who is vying to be the number one running back in the NFL. You got two guys like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. I saw Mark Andrews is now the number six rated tight end on NFL.com. Wild to think that, by the way. The fact that Oklahoma had to lie to him to get him to Oklahoma, (laughs) which is still one of the greatest, which is still one of the best stories. Yeah. Um, And that – he wanted to play wide receiver and Oklahoma was like, yeah, sure. You'll play wide receiver. You like playing wide wide receiver. Yeah. I love that. Hey, he, he wouldn't have won the Blitnikoff. He won the Mackey. He did. He absolutely did. So, uh, I think it's, I think it's just, you know, as the years go continue to build and go on and go on and go forth. Uh, it's just, it's really, I think it's honestly kind of cool to see, you know, the guys that I got, I got to cover, got to have, you know, build relationships with, um, at Oklahoma covering them uh, are going off and a ton of them are succeeding in the NFL. So uh, we'll see what kind of comes of, you know, the next few years. But, um, you know, you keep seeing these lists come up with fantasy, projected fantasy numbers, and you just you see continue to see Oklahoma guys um, at the top of that list. And it's going to help quite a bit. Oh, oh, yeah, there is one thing we forgot to talk about. We had dominoes and chess pieces last night. What the actual – is going on Lincoln's bored just like the rest of us he's playing with us that's that's what it is he also didn't he he has not yet to congratulate cd lamb or jalen hurts on signing their rookie deals oh but he's he's congratulated neville gallimore and kenneth murray though i thought he congratulated cd lamb i could have swore he did because I, you mentioned that the other night in the group chat and i meant to reply to you and i i don't know what i was doing but I'm fairly certain he congratulated C.D. Lamb. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got that notification when I was doing dishes like the other day. He didn't congratulate Jalen he Hurts. Re, he retweeted C.D. He Lamb. retweeted. So that's an acknowledgement. So did Lincoln Riley not get his quotes either, Keegan? I definitely didn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, but, no, I thought Jalen Hurts sucks. Checked. If you can't run Oklahoma's offense, Brady. Football's hard, man. You act like it's easy. Football's hard. Jalen Hurts also went to New York, finished second in the Heisman race, took OU he to... Shouldn't have fi- he shouldn't have finished second in the Heisman race. What, what, where did he finish in the Heisman but, race? Uh, that, that... Where did he finish? Thank you. He took OU to its fifth Big 12 championship. He took OU to the playoff once again. He, he quarterbacked a one-loss regular season Big 12 champion. 
What's wrong with you, Keegan? Seemed like he did a pretty good job to me. Did he do the? In did, 20, he do, in, did he do better than Kyler or Baker? No. Did he do better in twenty is, in twenty fifteen? Baker Mayfield and this was the most overblown story of the season. Oh, Jalen only had nine months to prepare with Lincoln Riley. Well, guess what? Baker Mayfield did in twenty fifteen too. Baker Mayfield is one of the best play, college football players of all time. Baker Mayfield was a second-year, third-year player. Jalen Hurts had been at Alabama for three years. Baker Mayfield is one of the greatest college football players of all time. Jalen Hurts is not. One of the greatest college football stories of all time. One of the greatest stories, yeah. But to your point, in 2015 through 2018, did Oklahoma ever win in spite of the, how the quarterback played? Yes. How many times? How many times? The difference between the this is where the problem lies. Between 2015 and 2018, Oklahoma never or hardly ever won games in spite of how their quarterback played. In 2019, Oklahoma won three to four games in spite of how Jalen Hurts played. Yeah, I mean, you're right, but results matter. So OU won the game. <laughs> No, Jalen Hurts is not better than Baker or Kyler. What have I ever I'm said that? I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But why are we pointing out the obvious? The sky is blue. Let's debate. Jalen Hurts is not as good at quarterback. It's gray outside for me right now. J- Jalen Hurts is not as good at quarterback as some of the greatest players of all time and even some of the more average players of all time. You know oh, my. thought they were one of the greatest players of all time? Jalen? Absolutely, he did. Do you know who thinks that they're the greatest player of all time? Everybody who's ever played a sport. Dion Waiters, that's for sure. Dion Waiters is like the goat in his mind, and God love him. <laughs> Keegan, Keegan, my, uh, I've actually, my mom's actually here to drop off some groceries because times are tough. So we're gonna cut this one a little bit shorter. We'll have some news probably this week. We'll have some more COVID news, I'm sure. Um, hopefully, more good news from OU, as Randy Heights put on Twitter. More positive results out of OU, and we all laughed at his expense. We'll have that, I believe. What is it? I believe Big 12 Media Day is not this week, but next week. So we'll have that. A week from Monday. Okay. So we will have to wait two more podcasts for that one. So unfortunately for you all, maybe we'll hold off on the Sunday pod the night before the Big 12 Media Day. But Keegan Renault, thank you once again. And maybe once you come back to Oklahoma, I'll let you do this in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care. Have a good week. Uh, Congrats on basketball being back. Happy for you. I'm so happy. And uh, we will, um, I'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Inside OU. Until next time, for Keegan Renos, this is Brady Trantham. Talk to you guys later.